Leadership is one of the key characteristics of a great organization. But what are the principles of exceptional leadership? Well, stick around because I have nine key insights to share with you. My name is Paul Aladinika, and you are listening to the 11th Thing Podcast. Welcome to episode three of the 11th Thing Podcast. Over the past few weeks, I've been doing a lot of work pulling together the content for this episode, and I am really looking forward to sharing it with you. Just a quick word on how I'll be structuring the focus on leadership in this podcast series. Whilst this episode will describe the principles of exceptional leadership, I will be devoting the next few episodes to discussing leadership practice with various invited guests. The value of the principle and practice approach that we're adopting is to enable us to look at both sides of the leadership coin. So the focus on principles enables us to take a look at leadership from the perspective of ideology whilst the focus on practice will enable us to look at the reality of leadership, drawing on the personal accounts and lived experiences of those who have actually done some of this stuff. So that's something that I'm really, really looking forward to, and hopefully you are too. Okay, so here's what you can look forward to in this episode. First of all, I'm going to start by setting a context and definition for exceptional leadership. Then I'm going to dive straight into the nine principles of exceptional leadership. And then I'm going to pick out some of the takeaways from this episode. So let's get started with the context. What do I mean by exceptional leadership? Well, I mentioned in my first podcast that I see organizations as living entities. And like any living entity, they have an anatomy and vital organs. Of these vital organs, I see leadership culture as the heartbeat of an organization. Just think of the different ways in which leadership can transform a workplace. Think of the capacity that leaders possess to encourage, to enable, to empower, to inspire and to motivate. And you'll understand why I think that leadership culture is the organisational heartbeat. Like any organisational culture, exceptional leadership is not something that anyone, regardless of their level of seniority in an organisation, can impose. Of course you can set expectations for it, you can have high hopes for it. But even then, no amount of expectation or dicta, or for that matter, management foot stomping is going to produce it. However, neither does a culture of exceptional leadership simply materialise out of thin air. So where does it come from? Well, ultimately, conditions produce culture, including leadership culture. In the case of leadership exceptionalism, those conditions are likely to be deep-rooted in organisation and individual values and beliefs. Those values and beliefs guide conduct and behaviour, and it is through the disciplined, conscientious and dedicated demonstration of behaviours that habits form. When habits form, you have norms, and when norms are established, you have standards. The higher the standards, the more exceptional the leadership. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But it is clearly nowhere near as simple as that in practice. And as everyone knows, exceptional leadership does not mean that you get everything right. On the contrary, with leadership, you can have good days and bad days. In fact, you can have just as many bad days as good days. However, the key is this. You cannot afford to have off days. What that means is that even if the intended outcomes of leadership decisions that you make don't always turn out the way that you want, the attitude as well as the application of exceptional leadership should always be the same. In these organisations, irrespective of what is happening around them or what's happening to them, their leadership function does not lose its shape. 
The conscientious don't suddenly become lazy. The disciplined don't suddenly become undisciplined. Leadership retains its shape. In fact, if I were to cite a characteristic that distinguishes exceptional leaders from everyone else, it would be the fact that when exceptional leaders get knocked down, they get right back up and they keep going. Okay, so now the context has been set. Here's my take on the nine principles of exceptional leadership. The first principle is authenticity. When a leader is authentic, evidence of their authenticity is the fact that they live what they have learned and they practice what they preach. Think about how you judge authenticity in your everyday life. You look for evidence and proof. You check to see if it looks right, if it feels right, if it sounds right, and if it passes the smell test. Well, the same basic principles apply with exceptional leadership. Their values are visible and they follow through and match their words or beliefs with their actions. There is symmetry, there is consistency, there is continuity. At a fundamental level, authenticity is a measure of integrity. Now, I'm mindful that there will always be occasions when leaders acquire knowledge that challenges their thinking and offers insights that they previously did not have and causes them to reflect on or revise their positions. And don't get me wrong, it's absolutely right that leaders are open to learning and correction. But as a rule of thumb, you simply cannot claim to be authentic if you routinely say one thing one minute and habitually do something else the next. Authentic leaders are consistent, They're dependable, they're reliable. You know what they will probably do next because of what they predictably did before. When you think about it, it would be impossible to have confidence in someone who has not demonstrated consistency in their behavior and conduct. And so it is with leadership. Think about a crisis situation. If you knew a leader who runs to danger every time there is a crisis, it would not be unreasonable to assume that they will run to danger again when the next crisis occurs. And I think to that extent, authenticity is observable, it's verifiable, it's knowable. Not only that, but when leaders are authentic, they are more easily recognisable by those around them and more likely to attract the loyalty of those who know them. The second principle is relatability. If leadership is about anything, it is about relationships. When a leader is relatable, not only can people relate to them, they can also relate to others. Leadership relationships are essentially comprised of three social competencies. These are sympathy, empathy and compassion. Sympathy says, I'm sorry this has happened to you. Empathy says, I know how you feel. And compassion says, I want to help you. This triad of social competencies enables and empowers leaders to connect to others on a human to human level. In leadership, relatability is not based on reciprocity. It's not transactional. It does not rely on doing for others what they have done for you. Quite the opposite, in fact. Relatability is unconditionality. A relatable leader doesn't care what you have done for them, nor for that matter do they care whether they even know you. They see a need and they want to meet it. Because their approach is unconditional, relatable leaders can build strong bonds of trust with others. This in turn ensures that the relationships that they build mean something and achieve something. Relatable leaders make others feel valued. They personalize their interactions. They remember people's names. They are mindful of their sensitivities. They actively encourage others to see the best in themselves, even when they believe the worst of themselves. Another one of the aspects of relatable leaders is that they do not weaponize knowledge. 
How many times have you shared a confidence with a colleague only to discover sometime later that they have tried to use that same knowledge to hurt you and harm you? Relatable leaders do not do that. The third principle is humility. With relatable leadership, humility matters because it is evidence of service. Service requires sacrifice and sacrifice is evidence of selflessness. So there's a value chain. Some might say, well, just because I give stuff up, does that demonstrate humility? Well, actually, no, it doesn't. Because with sacrifice, it's important to keep in mind that what you give is not what matters. It's what you give up that counts. Look at it this way. If I have successfully led on a project and I willingly give up, the recognition that I am due as the project leader and instead redirect all of that recognition to members of my team instead of towards myself, I essentially downplay my own contribution. That is one of the ways in which exceptional leadership is demonstrated. And let's be honest, what I've just described is not an easy thing to do. Everyone wants to receive recognition and affirmation, especially when they deserve it. But that's humility for you. It's about presence of mind. A humble leader recognises that irrespective of the situation or circumstance they find themselves in, it is ultimately not about them. They're not looking to be the centre of attention and they will actively shun the limelight even if it is directed towards them. They are self-effacing and will typically show greater concern for the well-being of others than they will for their own well-being. When a leader demonstrates humility, they will share their success with others, even when others do not deserve it, and they will take responsibility for failure, even when it wasn't actually their fault. The fourth principle is wisdom. Wisdom is fundamentally a measure of leadership judgment and discernment. It's that innate ability that some leaders have for situational and spatial reasoning and reading. A leader with wisdom understands when to say yes, when to say no, and when to say nothing. It's probably fair to say that of all the principles that are described in this podcast episode, wisdom is the one that is most likely to develop over time. Wisdom matures through intuition and instinct. It's learned through trial and error. By contrast, knowledge, well, that can be rapidly acquired and easily transferred. Likewise, through diligent application, skills can be developed and taught. But you can only mature into wisdom with patience. When exceptional leaders demonstrate wisdom, it almost becomes a sixth sense. Let me quickly share a personal testimony with you to contextualise this point about wisdom. Several years ago, I was overseeing a high-profile project that was frankly not progressing well. And one day, I went for a walk to clear my head, gather my thoughts and focus my mind. I probably hadn't covered more than 200 yards before I suddenly realised exactly what was going wrong with the project, why it was going wrong and what needed to be done to rescue the project. I remember I nicknamed the insight that I gained that night, the Wednesday night masterstroke. I didn't know why I knew what I knew, I just knew it. The next day I went into work, set out a plan for my team, we had a discussion about it and everyone completely understood it. And then we all set about putting that plan into action. The impact was almost immediate and needless to say, the collective effort of the team turned what was a failing project into a resounding success. And that is wisdom in a nutshell. You don't always know how, you won't always know why, but when you know, you know. The fifth principle is visibility. Visible leadership is not about being where you want to be, it's about being where you are meant to be. So often as leaders, we want to be where we want to be and don't want to be where we are needed. Sometimes the best place for a leader is at the front and at other times it's at the back. 
At other times, exceptional leadership is the ability to perfect the art and science of invisibility by blending into the background and becoming part of the scenery. Now, I know that sounds strange, but there are absolutely times when the active or even passive presence of a leader can be a barrier to the growth of other leaders. I can tell you from my own personal experience as someone who has occupied various senior level leadership roles that there have been many occasions when I have deferred to those who are more senior than me in the room. And that's not because I think they have the answers or they know more than I do, but just because they happen to be there. As the most senior person in the room, I have also had those around me look to me for ideas and direction. And whilst of course, for the most part, it's right for a leader to give a steer and be the focal point for decision making, at other times, the mere physical presence of a leader can have a chilling effect on the behaviour of others. As a leader, if you always make yourself the target for other people's thoughts, don't be surprised if they expect you to do their thinking for them as well. The sixth principle is example setting. When leaders live by example, they lead by example. The critical point here is that living by example is evidence of a leadership lifestyle. Okay, so let's just pause for a second and set the scene. Leadership is not a light switch where you turn behaviours on and off depending on who is looking or what might be at stake. That is counterfeit leadership. It's performance art. Pretense is high maintenance. People quickly grow tired of doing things that they do not genuinely believe in. And when they eventually grow tired of them, that's when they get found out. By contrast, when leadership is driven by principle, leaders will do the right thing whether or not anyone is looking and even if nobody cares. The best examples of leadership aren't where everyone is looking, they are where no one can see. It goes without saying that when leaders live by example, they understand that they can speak much more convincingly through their actions than they can through their words. The other point to make about the principle of example setting is that it is the clearest evidence possible of leadership character. That's because it takes real conviction to set examples and those who set them fully understand the influence and impact that their convictions will have on the behaviour of others. Example setting is therefore not unconscious behaviour. True convictions are not casual. Those who set examples know exactly what they are doing. In the truest sense, example setters understand that their actions speak much louder than their words. The seventh principle is delegation. When a leader delegates, they recognise that power is most effective when it is shared with the many, not when it is controlled and concentrated amongst the few. Actually, the six organisational power principles were the subject of my previous podcast. So if you've not had the chance to listen to that episode, please do, because I cover the issue of organisational power in some detail there. At a fundamental level, the concentration of power is an organisational fear reflex. It's a clear and unambiguous statement from an organisation to its employees that they are not to be trusted. But here's the rub. I mentioned in one of my previous podcasts that an exceptional leader will always give others the permission to try and the right to fail. Essentially, what that means is that they will make a conscious effort to safely decentralize power to the best place problem solvers in their organization. In leadership, when you give people the permission to try and the right to fail, you accept the fact that those to whom you assign responsibility will make mistakes. And when people know that they have the right to fail, they understand that when they do make mistakes, they won't be made to look like fools because of it. 
Contrary to what people may think, one of the biggest barriers to leadership decision-making and risk-taking isn't the fear of getting it wrong, it's the fear of being laughed at. The other point to note about the permission to try and the right to fail is that when this approach is exemplified, it empowers thought leadership, it expands creativity and it increases problem-solving capacity. It's within this kind of environment that leaders who are coming through are in the best possible place to flourish and fulfill their potential. The eighth principle is self-awareness. So exceptional leadership is a measure of progression, not perfection. Leaders are continual learners and continual learning is the engine that drives leadership progression. However, at an even more fundamental level, a commitment to continual learning is the clearest demonstration of leadership self-awareness. That said, I completely understand that self-awareness can be a real shock to the system and it can produce one of two responses. For some, what it reveals can cause them to become closed, fearful and insecure and potentially lead to feelings of imposter syndrome, particularly for those that are in leadership positions. For others, self-revelation is liberating. It causes them to become contemplative, curious and solutions focused. They can see where their gaps are. They know what they need to learn. And because of this, they actively seek out those who can help them improve. An exceptional leader is open about what they don't know and what they need to learn. Nothing harms a leadership brand more than when leaders present themselves as aloof, unapproachable, beyond challenge, and seem more interested in their image than their impact. It's important to keep in mind that leadership does not confer infallibility on the person holding the position. Leaders have to know themselves, and the most exceptional leaders are not the ones who think they know it all. They are those who know they do not know enough. The ninth and final principle is legacy. A leader's legacy is not what survives when they are present, it's what remains when they are gone. An exceptional leader will always leave a legacy that will continue long after they have left an organisation. The best evidence of leadership legacy is the extent to which the habits, behaviours and practices of the leadership predecessor are exemplified by the leadership successors. Do they continue to lead in the best traditions of what went before or do they abandon the good habits that they have learned at the earliest possible opportunity and become wayward and fall into bad company? That is always the clearest way to determine how truly influential, impactful and effective a leader has been. Over the years, I've observed leaders who model certain behaviours and leadership traits that I've adopted. In fact, one of my previous managers, who I'm actually going to give a plug on this podcast, his name's Dave Cass, is an example of someone who would never duck accountability, no matter how bad the situation was. I always got a clear sense working alongside Dave that he was in charge and that he would take responsibility if anything went wrong. I remember observing him and thinking to myself, that is exactly the kind of leader that I want to be. And that's how leadership legacy works. Okay, so those are the nine principles. So what are the key takeaways from this podcast episode? The first takeaway is that exceptional leadership is defined by excellent relationships. If you are an exceptional leader, you must be able to see yourself in others and they must be able to recognise themselves in you. The second takeaway is that exceptional leadership is not when you lead by example, it is when you live by example. You will know an exceptional leader because for them, exceptional practice has become common practice. It is part of the natural rhythm and routine of how they perform their leadership function. 
Perhaps another way to describe it would be to say that exceptional leaders live by the standards that they lead by. The third takeaway is that exceptional leadership is not just a demonstration of behaviours, it is also a frame of mind. It is attitudinal, it's about how people think. With exceptional leadership, you cannot fake it until you make it. You make it because you believe it. The fourth takeaway is that exceptional leaders must have a mature relationship with failure. This is absolutely essential. At a fundamental level, exceptional leaders become what they are because they know what they are not. They detest pretense. The fifth and final takeaway is that exceptional leaders are at ease with their vulnerability. Their focus is not perfection, it is progression. And that's it for me on the nine principles of exceptional leadership. A quick reminder that for the next episode, and probably the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about the practice of exceptional leadership. So for this podcast, we focuses, so for this podcast we're focused on the principles, the next few will be focusing on practice. As part of this, I'm going to be inviting guests to talk about their leadership experiences, and together we're going to be exploring the subject of leadership exceptionalism in more detail. So I'm really looking forward to that, and again, I hope you are too. Finally, before I sign off, can I ask that you please share this podcast across your social networks? Please also check out episodes one and two of the 11th Thing podcast. If you want to know more about the issues being covered in this series, head over to Believeonomics on YouTube and TikTok for a sneak peek. There are a range of videos there which I'm sure you'll find really interesting. Finally, you may also want to check out Paula Ladinica on medium.com where I post a new blog once a week. Thanks for listening.